Good morning, everybody. Um, first of all, what I'd like to do is introduce to the congregation this young man right here. What's your name? Bowden. I call him Bodie, so we'll just call him Bodie. Okay. <laughs> and I'm Grandma Tranter. All right. Now, what we're going to read today is Isaiah, and if you'd like to look at it, it's on page 590 in the Pew Bible. Yeah, it's up there. Okay. Now, Bodie is going to read a certain section, and then I'll pick up the rest. Okay, Bo, okay. go for it. Okay. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Forget the form of things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Page 594. So this is the uh, second I, I, reading. Hold on there, Bo. 594, and it's Isaiah 46, verses 8 to 10. Okay. Okay. Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the, form, the former, things. former things, those of long ago. I'm God, and there is no other. I'm God, and there is none like me. I make it known, the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Now we're on page 610 in Isaiah, and it's chapter 65, verses 17 to 19. We're starting at 17. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jeru sorry, Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Now, something I wanted to add about Isaiah, I went up and looked a little bit of information, and it's the longest book in the Bible, and Isaiah in Hebrew means God in salvation, which I found interesting, and in this passage in Isaiah, God is both the judge and the savior, and that's the way God is in our life today. Okay, thank you very much. All right, Bo. Bye. And Pastor Judy. Oh, Grandma Judy. Grandma Pastor Judy. For, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Greg, and I'm just grabbing a stand from over here. I'm actually going to invite uh, the kids to come up again, if you're comfortable with it. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. 
So come on up, sit on the steps. All right. Oh, good. At least my, my nieces aren't scared to come and sit with me. You know that's bad when your nieces... Anyway, like my socks. Oh, look at y'all. Do you find, is it fun to be up here with the adults all morning? Don't answer that. <laughs> now, can you remember a time when things were like just good, like really good? So think about a time when you were really perhaps happy or joyful or something, your heart was feeling really warm. Perhaps you had a time where you played with a friend uh, and that you're just having so much fun, you know, your heart felt like bursting. Yeah, is that weird, your heart to burst? That would probably hurt, actually. You know, but just feel a time of really joy. Can you think of a time? Or perhaps there was a time when you were, like, feeling really sad or you were lonely, and then a friend or someone else that you love came and they made you feel loved. Perhaps they gave you a hug or they just told you something they loved about you. Can you think of a time like that? Or perhaps a time when you thought, you know what, this is so hard. I'm never going to make it through this, whether it was maybe a test or doing your chores or something that you really didn't like to do, didn't like to be in, and you felt, oh, this is impossible. I'm never going to actually get to the end of this thing. But then you did. And well, obviously, you're here, so you must have gotten through it. Can ever you think of a time like that? Does anyone have a story where they just, they can think back and remember a time like that? No one? Well, you know what time, it's funny, I mean, I work at a church, and so this time of year can be very busy, and I can remember Christmas this time in the past, when, I, when things were so busy, I thought, I'm never going to make it to Christmas. <laughs> I'm going to fall over, I'm, gonna, I'm just not going to make it, it's impossible, and guess what? I made it. I'm here to do another one, I guess. <laughs> and it's because, I think it's because God was with me, I, I really leaned on God, need help and strength, and so... Um, the Bible actually tells us to remember times like this, to remember when there's something going wrong, the Bible often says, uh, God often says to his people when something's going wrong, he says something along the lines, I know this seems impossible, I know things are kind of smelly, they're stinky, I don't like, you don't like it, but just think back, can you remember a time, do you remember I came and I saved you, I came and I was with you before, I've helped you, remember that, remember that, that's who I am, God says this all the time in the Bible. And it's important for us to be able to look back and remember how God has shown us love as well. I have another question, which maybe we'll get about the same response as the last one. Do any of you sleep with the nightlight? Yes? Yeah. Yeah? No, you don't? See, some of us do and some of us don't. See, I have two daughters. My youngest daughter, she likes her room as dark as possible. You got to seal all the light. It has to be really dark for her. She loves it in the dark. My older daughter, she loves a nightlight. She wants to have a night. She's 16, and she likes the light. And guess what? My wife is a little older than 16, and she likes a nightlight. But you know what? For me, it doesn't matter. I could fall asleep anywhere. It doesn't matter how much light. In fact, I could lie down right now and fall asleep probably. Okay, Do you want to see me? Okay. No, no, I won't. As boring as that might be, that's even more boring. So one thing that's good about a nightlight, if you think about it, your room is so dark you can't see anything, and, then a, and it can feel kind of scary, right? But what does a little light, even if you've got a little tiny nightlight, what does it do? 
it brights your, right? You can see, it gives you enough light you can see and you can sleep. You can be at peace. You don't have to worry. The smallest light can help take your fear away. Now think about it. Nothing's changed in your room, right? Your room's exactly the same from when they turn the light off and when you turn the light on. But you've just added enough light that you know you don't have to be afraid. So remembering is like a nightlight. Right? It's like, uh, it's like a, if you remember a time that you felt loved or safe or joyful, it's like a nightlight. Does that make sense? It's just like a little bit of light that helps you, even though you may be sad, you can remember back to a good time when you, when you felt loved. Right? And so the Bible tells us to do that um, a lot. So what we're going to do is I'm going to send you back to your, your seats in a minute. But we're going to uh, have a little project that we're all going to do. And essentially, we're all going to make this. What is it? Is a good question. Um, there should be a picture. Yeah. So what we're going to do is each of you is going to get five things. You're going to get a piece of paper, a pencil or a pen, and then you're going to get three strips. Again, you're going to take a green, a red, and a brown. And this is for everyone in the room, not just for the children. Then we're going to write on the piece of paper, you're going to write a word, or perhaps you can draw a picture. So if you can think of a time that was, you were really happy, right? Really joyful, really feeling like, some, like you were loved. Write a picture or a word that kind of is like that. And then I'm going to ask you, you can fold it up or you can roll it up. And then tie the ribbons around it just in a knot. All three, one, two, three. And at the end of when I shut up and stop talking... We're going to let you come, we're going to come up and see that giant, looks like an axe throwing uh, thing over there, the giant circle. We're going to bring that up here. And what we're going to do is every one of us is going to bring up our memory, right? And we're going to bring it up and we're going to stick it on that big circle and it's going to become a wreath. And it'll be something that we can look at together and remember how good God is and seeing what, look, look at all of these stories of how God, God's been to us as a community, as individuals, all right? So I'm going so to invite you to go back, but I need 10 of you to help me hand out the things. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Is that nine? Yeah. So I need one more. Ten. Okay, awesome. So the rest of you go sit down. And those of you who put your hands up. I want you to each take a basket. So here, we'll do the pens first. Who wants pens? So was, you want ribbon? Who wants pens? Oh, <laughs> hello. Okay, so can, Jaslyn, can you go in that row? You're going to give it to the people in that row. And then Bodhi, if you can go to that, that row and give the people on this side. And then Haley, you go in the middle and you can start with Jean and give it to this side. And then uh, if you can go on this side here and then uh, the other on that side. Okay? Okay, so can you go see Bodhi? Because see there's the boy in the green sweatshirt? Can you go start by giving him a pen so you can t send t they can take a pencil and a... Do you, one, two, three, four. If he wants to help... Yeah. Do you want to help? Oh, yeah. So if you want to go, you can follow the girl in the purple shirt. Okay. Which row do you want? You want your family's row? 
Okay, so why don't you follow on that side, and Sarah, you go down the middle, and then Catherine, do you want to go on the middle on this, on this side? So you start with the gentleman with the pink shirt there. Okay, and then can you go, there's the lady in the, the blue shirt? Uh, there's a, yeah, there's two ladies in blue shirts right next to each other. You can... Oh, yeah, so here. So then you can just pa pass it. Pass, and then you can let them pick. Oh, did I throw my knotted one in there? I did, sorry. And while those are passing out, I'm going to talk a little bit about these Isaiah uh, passages, even though uh, Judy's already done that for us. <laughs> so remember, you're taking three strips, a piece of paper and a pencil, and, and writing or drawing uh, something that you remember of a time when uh, your heart was just filled with joy or peace or happiness, you felt love, something like that. And for those of you who can do two things at the same time, I'm going to talk at the same time as you're, you're doing that. Now, as many of you know, we're in a season of the church year that is called Advent. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. And the word Advent is simply, for those of us who hadn't heard it before, the word Advent means coming or to come. So... Advent is a season when we look forward to God's coming. And then, for those of you who are really unfamiliar, oh, thanks, Bodhi. We can just leave this here, I guess. Uh, and, of course, so we're looking forward to a time when Christmas, Christmas is when we celebrate that God's son, Jesus, was born as a baby uh, and then, uh, and then, obviously, then grew up and became a man and uh, did all of the things that we talk about all of the time. But this is the season that we celebrate Jesus coming and being born. So this Advent is a time we think about what the world was like before God sent Jesus into the world. It's a time when we think about how much we need God. And since we know that Jesus actually did come that first Advent, that first coming... This Advent season is also a time when we look forward to when Jesus will come again, a second Advent. We're looking forward to when God will come and will restore all things, create all things new. We're looking forward to a time when the, uh, there's a, the, when the whole cosmos, there is no death or decay or injustice or suffering. Yet, of course, here we are in the middle of that big story, in the middle of that history, and we are watching and waiting for Jesus to come. We are longing for God in the midst of the brokenness and pain in the world. We know Jesus came already, but things are still so hard and broken. There's so much pain. And while we wait, we are trying to figure out how to live in this unsettling space. Thank you. Yeah, if you could put it there, that's perfect. Thank you. How we can live in this unsettling uh, space of beauty and brokenness, of life and death, of joy and sorrow. I mean, joy and sorrow and oppression and justice. So how do we live in that space in between? 
This Advent, we're going to be spending time looking at two things that the Bible holds together. And they're almost like two sides of the same coin. One is remembrance, remembering, and the other is hope. So remembering the past, what God has done, and hope for the future. And throughout the Bible, these two things are kind of held together in intention, but also in support and beauty for one another. Without remembering, there isn't really any hope. In the Hebrew Scriptures, what uh, we tend to call the Old Testament, we hear about God's relationship with the nation of Israel. And over and over again, the Israelites are told to remember. Remember how I brought you out of slavery. Remember how I gave you food and drink in the desert. Remember how you used to worship in the temple under my protection. In one of the books in the Bible called Exodus... It's the story of when God's people, were, where they were in slavery in Egypt, and God freed them from slavery, and they had what they call the exodus when they left uh, Egypt to go and to be free. And so in this book that tells this story, Exodus chapter 12, God not only tells the Israelites to remember the time that God brought them out of Egypt, but God actually tells them to structure their national and individual lives around remembering the Exodus. Thanks, Sarah. Did everyone get one? I see a couple of empty baskets coming up. If not everyone got one, I think we've... Not everyone got one? Okay. Emily, I just saw you take some baskets. Are there any left in any of those baskets? Okay. So do you mind seeing, if there's people at the back who didn't get material, there's, uh, Emily's got some. I got 150 of each of those things, so I thought we'd have enough. But. If you didn't get one today, let me know, and I will happily get some more and cut some more up for you. Maybe you can do it next week. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Actually, while I'm paused, Clem and Chloe, are you in the room? Can you help maybe bring the, the table and the circle thing forward while, while I'm talking? Right, so God tells the Israelites not only to remember the time that they were brought out of slavery, but God tells them to actually structure their entire national and their individual lives around remembering this time. And this is a festival called the Passover. It is a yearly rhythm of keeping that memory of God's faithfulness so that it's always on their minds, so that a year never passes that they don't celebrate and remember. So at any time they go through tough times, they can find strength and hope in that remembering. And then, unsurprisingly, Jesus was Jewish. And so it's not surprising that Jesus, with his disciples, he actually continued this tradition by telling them to structure their lives around a remembrance. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. And that's what we call a communion or the Lord's table. At the end of worship, we're going to celebrate that remembrance of Jesus' love, a remembrance that gives us hope for the present and for the future uh, through communion. Thanks, Clem and Chloe. We are to build our lives around remembering Jesus in our homes and when we gather together. The Bible verses that uh, Judy and Bodhi read for us 
help us to understand a bit of this remembrance. These verses were written during a very dark time for the Jews. Some of us actually might know kind of what this was like, but a lot of us in this room wouldn't know what this was like. An army from another country had come in and had invaded the Israelites and had taken many of them away as prisoners. They took them back to their country called Babylon, where they were captives, living in a different land with different people. And it was a very dark and hard time for Israel. And Isaiah actually is writing in the midst of this. He is in Babylon and he's writing uh, this. So this is what God, uh, this is what Isaiah is telling the people that God has to say. uh, Isaiah 46, 8 to 10. Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Remember the former things of long ago. Isaiah is telling the people in captivity that God says, remember who God truly is. That their God is the true God, not the gods of Babylon. And how do you know who the true God is? Well, you know by remembering. Remember the former things. Those from long ago. So he's saying, remember, you know, back to when God freed you from slavery. But even further back, keep going. From when God called you even to become a nation. When you were just one, one man and a wife without a child. Remember even further back to the very beginning, to creation. The Babylonian gods didn't create everything. God, the God of Israel, created everything. Remember all of this from before. Remember what God has done. And trust that God will be faithful in the future in the same way that God has been in the past. Isaiah stresses all throughout the book of Israel, all throughout the book of Isaiah, as Judy pointed out, the longest book in the Bible. He says it over and over again to remember. Remember what God has done. What's interesting, and I don't know if you caught this when when they read for us, is that Isaiah also says this in 43, verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So he just he had said in 46, remember the former things, and he has this exact same sentence except forget the former things. Don't dwell on that. So what's going on? Which is it? And I think it's actually both. Isaiah is calling God's people to remember. Remember what God has done in the past. And in doing this, it's to remember, though, it's to remember God's character, that God is faithful, that God will act, that God is a redeemer and a savior, that God will save them, that God will always be there for them. But while God's character doesn't change, remembering his character doesn't change, God's actions do. God doesn't simply do the same thing over and over again. God is doing something new, something unexpected. So when we say, like the Israelites were saying, this is what God did in the past, so God will do it perhaps exactly the same way. It's kind of like putting blinders on our eyes. 
So we can't see anything except for what has happened before. I think this is why God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? He's saying this because they did not perceive it. They couldn't see the new thing that God was doing because they had such narrow understanding of how God does things. Even if they heard stories of great things that were happening around them, they couldn't believe it. And they were saying things like, well, that's not how God works. Have you ever thought that or had people say that to you when there's something, something happening? And someone says, well, but that's not how God works. Well, God loves to say, I'm doing new things. I'm doing it in a different way. In the past, God saved the Israelites from slavery. God made a way by turning the sea into dry land. And here Isaiah is saying, God is making a way by turning wasteland into streams. So before he took a wet river and he dried it out so that it'd go through. Now he's taking a dry desert and he's going to flood it with streams. But if you are just watching for him to open the, open, uh, the river and dry it out, you're going to completely miss what God wants to do. Remember what God has done in the past so that you don't forget that God is faithful and loving. But don't get so stuck in the past that you miss seeing what God is going to do. Our hope is that God will do a new thing and something we've never seen before. And this is why it was so hard to understand, why it was so hard for the Jews to understand what Jesus was about. Because he didn't fulfill all of their prophecies in the way that they would have thought. God actually did a lot of really new things in Jesus that without eyes to see, if we're so stuck on thinking things have to be this way and this way, we'll miss that God is creating newness all around us. Isaiah 65, 17. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight, its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. This may sound familiar for the, some of us who have read the last book in the Bible. It's called, we call it off Revelation, though it has a couple other names. The author of John has a vision in Revelation, and it is these words. His, John's vision in the future is that Isaiah's words from before, he's remembering them, and he's seeing them become a reality, but not in John's time. The picture he's seeing is a reality. Most of Revelation is happening, I think, in, God's, in John's time, but this part is actually something that is still yet to come. It's a both now and a both now and in the future. And John has this vision of Isaiah's words from the past becoming a reality. And it ends with Jesus saying, I am making everything new. The baptisms that we saw today are both a remembrance and a newness. They are remembering what Jesus did when he died and rose from the dead. They joined Christ in his death by going under the water. And they joined Christ in his resurrection when they came up out of the water. And they did so with the hope that God is doing a new thing in them. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here.
Like a nightlight shining in a dark room, remembering what God has done in the past, it doesn't change the circumstances that we're in. Being made new in baptism doesn't magically make everything new and shiny. But like a nightlight, remembering these mighty acts of God, remembering the new and unexpected of God while in a baby when Jesus was born, in the little ways that God has been there for us and with us in our past. It can, especially for those who have been baptized, there is a moment that you can hold, we can hold on to and to remember that even though we are surrounded by death, we are raised to life in Christ. It doesn't change that things around us are still broken. But at least there's some light with us in the midst of the darkness. This gives us strength in the present and a hope for the future. I'm going to invite uh, the worship uh, band uh, to come up. And as we sing this next song, I'm going to invite you to come forward and to put your tied memory on the wooden wreath up at the front. And as the wreath fills in, it will be a reminder to us throughout this Advent and Christmas season of all of the ways that God has moved not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others within our community and our faith family. It's a physical reminder of God's goodness to us in the past, a picture of thanksgiving and a hope for God to be with us in the future. Uh, if you will, uh, pray with me uh, just for a moment. Jesus, Christmas is a time that can be filled with lots of just exciting things. It can also be a time, and for many, that it is very hard. It can be very sad, and I mean, the darkest day of the year is coming up. The longest night of the year is coming up right before Christmas. Yet even when it seems like things are hopeless, even when it seems like the darkness has overwhelmed us, Jesus, you are with us in that darkness. Even when we do not see, you are there. So we ask God that you would... Uh, help us, that you would remind us of the places where you have moved in our lives in the past. That they can be lights in the darkness. That can ease our fear and offer us peace in the midst of the long night. Amen. <laughs>